Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the most urgent edition of Nick's Nonfiction Yet. You're here with your host, Nick Munez. Today on the show, we have got Neil Strauss back for the three-peat with Emergency. Neil Strauss is a Hollywood insider. He's the type of guy that would get dizzy from killing a fly. Oh, my heavens. How do you expect Neil to suffice in an apocalyptic ordeal? Why did the Mexican go to the ER? Because of Hispanic attacks. Neil's buddy, Mad Dog, he took him to the farm one day to slaughter a goat. Neil couldn't do it. City boy Neil is used to getting his fucking prime rib on a styrofoam slab. The point for the book is how would you survive without the FDA curating your food, without Big Pharma curating your drugs, or without the police doing your protection? Should we go ask the parents at Lil Duval, Texas? Too soon? Too bad, I don't care. <laughs> Uvalde? Yeah, I'm giving myself stand-down orders <laughs> on that one. Can't joke about it. You know what impotence is? Incompetence without the cum. <laughs> Spell it out. It's a good joke. <laughs> it might feel like you're not ready for an emergency situation, but under the surface, there's a feral you that's ready to access your dormant primal epigenetics. Yes, you have survival mode inside of you. Neil says the mistake most of us make is thinking that the day would never come when you would have to use your backup plan. Uh, better quote, our society, which seems so sturdily built out of concrete and custom, is just a temporary resting place, a hotel of our civilization, checked into a couple hundred years ago and must one day check out of. You can check out any time you want, but you can never skeet. Yeah, bro, go visit an abandoned building. This stuff is not forever. And of course, I don't want it to happen, but what I want means nothing. <laughs> the people of Texas didn't want Hurricane Katrina. You'll have another Nietzschean survival out here. You got to get nihilistic to get prepared. And I'm out here freaking every day about the Yellowstone Caldera. Our days are numbered. <laughs> and I'm not trying to scare you today for as many times as I will. <laughs> The real way to avoid this shit is preparedness. Neil says, final quote, I've learned from the best. You can call me crazy if you want, or you can listen to the story of the eight years it took me to open my eyes, realize my country can't protect me, and do something about it. Sick, bro. And he also has that podcast called The Truth Barrel. It's a podcast inside a sauna with hot chicks. He wrote the game, he wrote the dirt, he knows what bleeds leads. That puthy bleed. <laughs> Ew. What happened to the snowman who entered the sauna? He had to go to the ICU. That's the snowman melting. Got a fun show playing ahead, guys. Do not go anywhere. Be right back after a short sponsor. About the author Neil Strauss. Check out Harry Schwant on Instagram. Free memes. Getting up to 20,000 followers before you know it. Patreon.com slash The Niche. You're getting hikes. You're getting memes. You're getting everything on the month. We're doing reaction videos over there. It's picking up pace. Neil Strauss. You know him. Go listen to the previous two episodes. They're better substance than this book, but I'm a better presenter now. So deal with it. It's going to be an epic episode. Strauss will knock him down. After another sponsor. <laughs> Chapter 1. Tips on death cult etiquette. You know what I'm thinking? This is a bit of a uh, skeptical book. So I'm going to throw in a Chosky. We're going to take it slow. We're going to enjoy our time today. I love you guys. The listeners still here. Still trying to learn the patterns. We're unearthing them all. It's a fucking great show. This is the best show on the internet. All right, chapter one, what was this? <laughs> you, need to you need to put tobacco in your mouth. You need to pick a group that won't kill you. Before technology, humans couldn't survive alone. Today, with a single AR-15, you could slaughter an entire school. Too soon again? <laughs> Seriously, I don't want to do sapiens. And all of these people obsessed with monkeys. Um, yeah, it's all about your connections. Because if you don't have a chainsaw, you can't survive. 
Neil starting this narrative back at Y2K. Quote, Back then, I had no idea that I'd ever feel unsafe in America or be preparing for disaster myself. We seem to stand monolithic and invulnerable at the center of the political, cultural, and moral universe. Doctor Strange 2, America Chavez. We set the trend for the world by hopping dimensions. It's a pretty good quote there. It's only in the big events that you realize you're not too safe. Neil at the Y2K party is going to be is going to be playing the uh, soy woe jack, <laughs> the fucking gray NPC here. Quote, a second group calling itself the Southeastern State Alliance had been caught three days earlier trying to blow up energy plants in Florida and Georgia. That's crazy. I thanked her for the advice. I'll definitely be careful with this. That didn't satisfy her. I don't know how old you are, she warned, but however old you are, you're not ready to leave this world. It's the Christian lady at the party. Not exactly the atmosphere you want. <laughs> Try to cut loose. Yo, I was on Venice Beach one time. So cal, baby. It was at the beginning of uh, coronavirus, and an old lady came up to me on the beach. She gave me a free rosary, so I was up in mood. And then she goes, everything around us will pass. I'm like, I wasn't even thinking about fucking the, the I'm on the beach enjoying myself, and you just ruined the party. So, yeah, it's not fun to be around skeptics when you're trying to cut loose, dude. Of course. And, yeah, it's a big thing in America. He's going, everybody thinks the end is right around the corner. I secretly think we all want Mad Max. <laughs> like, everyone's... Now, mortgages are more fun. Here's a great quote. Death isn't something we're born afraid of. It's something we learn to fear. According to studies... Studies... Children have little conception of death up to age five. From five to eight, they have a vague of understanding of the finality of death. Only at nine do they begin to understand that death is something that one day might happen to them. Johnny Law is coming after you. He's going to shoot you in a no-knock raid. <laughs> um... Yeah, you go through these progressive realizations throughout your life. I think a lot of adults don't know that they're going to die. You know, a midlife crisis? That should have happened when you were nine. <laughs> I had, like, crises when I was eight. Before I went to CCD, I would lay on my lawn and stare at the fucking sky wondering about death. God, I'm going to need some fountain of youth to get this page up and running. <laughs> uh, Neil Strauss, youthful marketability, Y2K. He's going, the next day I began sending solicitous emails to various doomsayers and survivalists asking if I could spend a few hours with them as the year changed over. I promised to bring my own food, water, and emergency supplies, hoping that somehow this would convince them I was a believer. Have you heard about flatbread believers? They're out to convince all non-believers. You see how... He's saying conspiracy theorists are believers. And that's true, but only on the dumbest side of the spectrum, like Q. You know, every group has their idiots that will believe anything. And Neil is just othering anybody who has a skeptical mind. Neil's books always come across my desk at the right time in my life. Like, I almost succumbed to the death cult. All this Nietzschean Zarathustra that we're about to read. The Great Reset, the Power Elite. Fuck that noise. Freedom. <laughs> I mean, everyone should do their due diligence to find out about the truth. That's never going to happen. Uh, quote, the first person I contacted, Neil says, was Thomas Chase, a writer and theorist who predicted that the millennium bug would cause a massive electrical crash, triggering a worldwide depression and the coming of the Antichrist. So does the Antichrist turn wine into water? This guy, he's taken the theory one step too far. When all of the zeros turn to 2,000, the computers will break. And then the Antichrist. <laughs> like, again, these second-day whateverists always take it too far. Neil had a funny point. Why is this guy so calm if he knows that the Antichrist is about to be here? <laughs> like, he does he really believe what he's saying? Uh, once you have someone's belief, like, logic doesn't matter. 
And that's what the media has groomed us to respond to the past two years. Covidians is the same thing as Branch Davidians. It's just groupthink. I'm trying to warn everybody against that. Our leaders, the media, they fucking do the same thing that cult leaders do. Like, Jim Jones didn't really think the Kool-Aid was magic. That's what makes Doomsday cults so unethical. It's a con. And why are there no fucking Reverend Jim Jones jokes? The punchlines are too long. Good joke. You can't feel bad about people who want to die or people who want to lock themselves in their house. They've came to a belief system. Neil tried to make the psychopath feel some empathy. He's going, don't you feel even a pinch of remorse for building an empire on lies? He's like, I'm not lying. I believe nuclear war is inevitable. I tell my people to prep. I don't specify which disaster, but they'll be ready for it. So, like I'm trying to make clear, this guy doesn't know when the emergency is coming, but he actually thinks it is. And then the news is creating their own emergencies to get you scared when they don't believe in it. So I think it might be more unethical, what I'm trying to get at. We'll throw it over to Neil for a long quote. They believed that with faith alone they would weather the upcoming devastation. They also stockpiled food, water, emergency supplies in case they ran out of faith. <laughs> Unlike other survivalists, see, at least Neil puts humor in his book. They didn't have guns or artillery. Rather than training to fight looters, they built additional homes and saved extra food to give potential robbers as a peace offering. <coughs> Is that really the best prepping strategy to grow the most food? Like, if you prepped food and I prepped guns, your food is now mine. <laughs> you need guns. Neil moves on to talk to this uh, churchgoer. He's a part of the Rabbi Hawkins, the cult leader's thing. His name was Rutz. He drove Neil to his hotel. They stopped at a local hardware store, and he told Neil to go in and build your first bug-out bag. And Neil, like, picked up some beef jerky and a flashlight. <laughs> Rutz goes, there's one thing more important than everything else. Throws a Bible in his bag. <laughs> this will keep you safe more than anything. Um... <laughs> guns. Neil zooming out for a final comment. The Cold War had ended. The Euro had been introduced. America was experiencing the longest economic boom in its history, and the internet and mobile phones were turning the world into a neighborhood with few secrets. All of these signs are pointing up. Why are people prepping? Because they were reading. <laughs> he goes, pre-9-11 was a different world. Classic young adult literature segue to the next chapter. But then something unexpected happened. Chapter 2, Escape. So Y2K came and went, he thinks these preppers are nuts, and then 9-11 happens, and he continues the project. Spent a while talking about uh, the White House. He was able to get invited there through press. They have three-inch thick glass. What if you have to, like, get some fresh air in the middle of the night? A little bit heavy for Joe Biden. <laughs> They got turrets on the roof. Here's a theory for you guys. Why in 2014 did two White House movies come out? White House Fallen and Olympus is Down. Do we really need that mo many movies about the White House and two in one year? Oh, wait. Did January 6th happen right after that? It's predictive programming. I'm not saying they cause... Well, I am, because we saw that the Uvale shooter was in a group text with FBI agents. <laughs> They're sowing the minds of the future here. Memes. Neil is rubbing elbows with the celebrities at the White House. Quote, The longer the celebrities and politicians talked, the more they admitted their fears of losing phone reception, of being trapped in D.C., of being uh, cut off from food and heat. Well, we know from those olympus movies that the white house has a six-story bunker uh, because they'd made no preparations these mainstream role models were actually more nervous about a millennial apocalypse than the sham prophets and cult members who at least accepted their potential fate <laughs> that's what i said before these fucking creeps in washington dc are more scared they own all of the bunkers look this up people i'm not crazy project ice worm we have a gigantic, like a 
size of Britain underneath Iceland. That's all fucking nuclear fallout. It's wild. And yeah, they're going to lie to you on the TV saying that the baby formula is on its way. Neil is going Dr. Seuss here. He's a master of fucking irony. (laughs) So is Seuss. The high priestess of the state, he says, celebrities and politicians have to tell people uh, too long of a quote, bro. Sorry. (laughs) Like, one lie gets you prepared for the future. One lie tells you that you're a victim. So, yes, the cult leaders might not actually know when the world is ending, but the other lie is preparing you for nothing. (laughs) Moving on. Celebrities, politicians... He's saying they're the opposite of the founding fathers. The people who we idolize are not Americans. Quote, thus our founders were actually cut from the same cloth as zealots like Rabbi Hawkins and Bob Rutz. Even more disturbing, this zealotry still dominates the country today. It's not being represented, but it's there, baby. (laughs) We're being decelerated, I'm telling you. I don't know, nobody's allowed to learn about this part of it. You gotta read the Bible to get any sort of cool shit (laughs) like he said 60% of Christians believe in the book of revelations and that's the part of the bible that's taken out during mass they don't tell you about the giants they don't tell you about the end times revelations is probably the most important book ever (laughs) Nick's nonfiction revelations later half of the chapter he says only in Washington would a song that had been the anthem of the peace movement for 30 years be interrupted as a terrorist plot? This was when they started fucking monitoring people for excessive preparedness. <laughs> Facebook outright says it. Like, you can click the flag and say this person is a prepper. You, They're a domestic T-word. <laughs> yeah, we're not allowed to say errorism Tay on YouTube anymore, guys. Fuck! Here's a good quote. Move off the topic. The closer we move toward the millennial moment, the more ridiculous people seem to be getting. But this was politics after all. And with great power comes great fear of losing it. (laughs) Bro, when people get more money, when they get more power, they get more fearful. You're, I don't know, man. You're scared of losing it. And that's what comes with power. They're not actually responsible. They're scared about losing their power. Here we go. End of the chapter. He's leaving the White House. He goes to the Holocaust Museum. And he's going, this feels like a real emergency. (laughs) Yo, have you seen this one? They're going, like CNN just put the headline out. Dictators are a good thing. We need dictators in the West. I think that's what it was. (laughs) They put these feelers out and see how we react. But when we are ready for a dictator, that's going to be the plan. And World War III, the stage is set. Uh, quote when I finally made it home I checked my email before going to sleep there was a message from one of my new doomsdayer friends hi Neil Strauss it's Tim Chase this new president Putin in Russia interesting that he became the president as the millennium changed he could be the one the prince of darkness (laughs) he's getting all kinds of emails from deep theorists that's where the cool information comes people think that Putin is a clone of Stalin. Bet you never heard that one. Deep quote, Nature knows no tragedies or catastrophes. It knows no good or evil. It knows only creation and destruction. That's why we love you, Neil. And one can never truly be happy and free in the way we were as children before learning of our morality without at some point confronting our destruction. Unless you take mushrooms. The only way for an adult to have fun is to confront death, apparently. So I should start wingsuiting. <laughs> Chapter 3, World at War. Skipping forward, he starts covering the cultural landscape a little bit more. Post 9-11, he's going, prepping is now a professional sport. <laughs> the picture, he's showing pictures of um, like jihadist people banging mickey mouse literally the uh graffiti they have over in the middle east is better than ours there's the word trip everywhere around boulder scott is a big guy yeah and other parts of the world people vandalize to spread awareness yay quote 
<laughs> that's so american we're all just painting on things for clout quote in the month before y2k i learned about threats to america from within now i was learning about threats from without uh, but i didn't take them seriously and more than i did the survivalists so big balls kneel out here is finally saying whoa i'm not protected quote driving into tehran from the airport i passed a building with an american flag painted on the side the stars were replaced by skulls, and the stripes were trails from falling bombs. <laughs> In large letters over the flag were the words, Down with the USA. Damn. Yeah, we gotta feed these guys some more J-dams. We deserve to be in your country. Remind me why it's justifiable to invade Iran, because 12 hijackers did the impossible. <laughs> that should be the next mission impossible, bro. How'd they pull that off? Some cool pictures in the book. Uh, there was like the Statue of Liberty as a skeleton. Interesting quote here. It seemed as if Iran was slowly falling in step with the West. Although there was no Kentucky Fried Chicken in Tehran, there was a Kabuki Fried Chicken. What? That looks suspiciously the same. Although there was no McDonald's, there was dozens of fast food restaurants selling burgers called Big Macs. Our culture is invasive. China does the same thing. They have Apple stores that aren't licensed by Apple. Burgerland is about to be Burger World, baby. This is how imperialism will happen. It's not going to be armies. It's going to be our ideas that make people obese. <laughs> and it doesn't matter how well you obey your democratic ruler. Influence people. I don't know, man. I just want to meet a Russian person before World War Three breaks out and see if they're really into Putin. See how much they're actually like us. Are they really Tartarians? <laughs> Neil has a big point. He's visiting all these people in Iran. He's saying they're the same as us. He's got this what Ralph Waldo Emerson quote. There's no such thing as peace, only periods between war. Yeah. We get rocked back to sleep with CNN's lullaby. And then they beat the war drum and everybody follows orders. <laughs> Yo, I put this meme on my meme page because that's where I test the waters a lot too. To, it's my focus group for the internet. What do fucking Zoomers think are funny? And I put out this meme. The media, here's a new tragedy that you need to freak out about this week. Everyone. And then it was Rick and Morty. You son of a bitch, I'm in. <laughs> Yeah, memes not so funny when you explain them. But, like, Zoomers cannot see it. They want to be in the zeitgeist and fight one side versus the other. It's, no, we just lost another generation. Fuck, man. <laughs> we transcended into full Orwellianism. War is peace. Like, to not other the younger generation. My entire life, we've been at war. I don't know what peace is. <laughs> I think we call the Zoomers Doomers. Because they're the first American generation with European nihilism. That's just the truth right there. They have a. We haven't seen an American generation that doesn't think they're going to be rich. <laughs> there is. I think Europe is kind of fighting back to give it some more. Like uh, Oslo. Norway just had one of those really big movies that popped off. Like Hollywood isn't cool anymore. So I hope independent film houses in Europe can start making their own things and that's not american fuck europe quote after stocking up on water and canned food i stopped at an atm and withdrew 200 dollars in emergency money if there was a national crisis and the power went out i needed to buy more gas and supplies better quote in that moment i realized i was no longer a detached observer chronicling and mocking the paranoid i was now officially one of them we make fun of those that we're most scared of becoming. Oof! Neil Truth Bomb Strauss. Jesus, bro. <laughs> yeah, we just make fun of things that we're actually scared of because it's in our subconscious. Perfect time for me to drop the sauna story. It's in the sauna and I'm lounging. This place is big enough to fit 10 people. It never fills up. So I'm taking up at least four seats and I'm naked. So there's nothing wrong with that. But yeah, I shouldn't have been on four seats. Guy comes in and he sits well away from me. 
and my eyes are closed. I got some NSDR on the phone. I'm totally in my own fucking universe. And this kid starts going, ugh, 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 for a minute straight. And I just am doing my own thing. Finally, he goes, I know you can hear me. And he hadn't said any words at this point, just grunts of shame. And so I look him in the eyes and then go back to closing my eyes. And then he starts back up again. You're really going to sit there with your penis out? And he said, dick. But what are we fucking doing here? He doesn't see the irony. You're in a sauna. You're going to see a man's penis, you it. You're the it. I opened my eyes like 20 minutes later, and he's facing the wall. He started playing his Zoomer music to try to take control of the situation. Bro, I was proud of myself. I didn't know I had this inside of me. I was like, my heartbeat was going crazy. My eyes were jolting around. I was about to fucking smash his face onto the hot coals. I have anger problems. But I was able to fucking breathe through it doing bullshit yoga. We make fun of the things we're scared of seeing the most. This guy was gay. He was scared that he was gay. He couldn't be near a penis. You go 10 feet into the locker room and you'll see five cocks. It's so dumb, bro. It was so bad, bro. And you see, even just being around that, now I'm radiating the retard energy. Wait, you you gotta go outside with a napkin on your face. <laughs> oh, and <laughs> dude, he also tried to shame me on Snapchat. And again, this is like a Zoomer way to shame people it does nothing to me he pulls out his phone man boulder's the gayest city in the world a guy has his dick out and i'm just sitting there thinking bro i've posted dick pics on snapchat and had them removed your account's about to be deleted (laughs) maybe he's mad because i have a big dick but you're not allowed to say that as a comedian you have to make fun of your small penis quote it's been a wake-up call for all of us. 9-11, we all poo-pooed Y2K. Yeah, I said that before. Now people who were prepared are seen as prophets. I remember early fucking pandemic, there were people hiking outside in the mountains of Colorado with bubble suits on. <laughs> Bro, nature is dirty. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> the masses... Quote, in addition to the kit, I also ordered a box of 24 ready-to-eat MREs. He's eating beef stroganoff, stroganoff in his bunker. I had no idea at the time that exactly seven years later I'd find myself eating those meals. Chapter 4, Calculating Risk. His first sentence of the chapter was a three-word sentence. It's very safe. He's going the world is sterilized we are nerfing the entire world and it's even more safer than it needs to be i like that movie demolition man you're not allowed to curse in the future (laughs) nothing that incurs risk uh new zealand i want to talk about this more bro that's where all of the fucking bunkers are and i said project iceworm you need a five-star clearance to get into those the new zealand is where all the canaries are Peter Thiel, he has an underground city in New Zealand. (laughs) Go watch the Vice documentary. All of these fucks already have their escape plans. (laughs) Quote, I realized then why the Jews in Nazi Germany had stayed. They had hope, which can sustain us in the worst of times, but can also be the cruelest of human emotions in uncertain times. I clung to hope. Yeah, I don't like this quote. I'm going to end it. Hope is all we fucking got. I'm clinging on to the copium until the day I prematurely die. <laughs> it's a dark state of mind to put yourself in, but realism is where you're going to grow, not the European nihilism. Uh, he's going, after cigarettes, legal food, carcinogens, and fake war, it'd be asinine to factor in the government protection. <laughs> Straight out. Neil is an absolute gangster. Legal food carcinogens, but keep on trusting them. He's saying all-encompassing views of the battlefield are what you need in emergency situations. So you need to have a million fucking screens in your bunker. (laughs) Fully prepared Neil is dropping some of the best quotes. This is a very long one. It's worth it. In 1978, on the verge of war with France, John Adams passed the Alien and Sedition Act, making it illegal to publish criticism of the United States government and giving authorities nearly free reign to deport foreign residents. 
During the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln suspended the right of habeas corpus and imprisoned over 13,000 suspected traitors without a trial. Abraham Honest Abe! He put people in jail without trials. 13,000 of them. In response to a series of anarchist bombings during and after World War I, Woodrow Wilson ordered the arrest of 10,000 alleged radicals deporting any who weren't citizens. Under Franklin Delano Roosevelt, 120,000 Japanese Americans were sent to internment camps during World War II. During the Eisenhower administration, more than 10,000 alleged communists were blacklisted, imprisoned, or fired from their jobs. <laughs> and who's the threat? Motherfuckers who are preparing aren't going around and ruining livelihoods. The domestic government is the threat and has been since 1798. The Shays Rebellion knew it. Fucking Alien and Sedition Act. <laughs> you get arrested for handing out pamphlets. Freedom of speech. We learned this in the running book, but Neil has a good quote about it. If I were ever drafted or hunted by the government, I told myself I would run. I used to wonder whether Vietnam draft dodgers were happy in Canada or if they missed home. I just kept running. All. <laughs> never stop. Never look back. I just got really European nihilist there saying America doesn't have freedom of speech. My hope will never die. All of that American EDM. Yeah, baby. We have another fucking round of hippie dumb in us. I know we do. His whole point here is super negative. Fuck. He's going, it's safer to live abroad. <laughs> like, yeah, Roman Polanski. This guy was able to rape kids in America and then go live in Paris. And this is why billionaires live on yachts. There's no rules. This is why Jeff Bezos took a 13-year-old into space. How is this not a joke? That's reality. What the fuck? <laughs> Uh, so perhaps, quote, the natural inclination to want both freedom and security from our government is too much to ask. <laughs> the American attitude is truly independent of Joe Biden and Donald, you know. He says 88% of Americans don't have a passport. Great, so the FEMA camps are going to be over flooding. <laughs> quote, as soon as I return to my hotel room... I opened my laptop and searched for lawyers and companies specializing in immigration law. He's moving on to the next part of the book, doubling his chances of survival by doubling his citizenship. <laughs> Chapter 5, Escape. Quote, On the afternoon of January 12, 1967, James Bedford stopped breathing. As for whether he's dead and gone or not, that's a matter of debate. And those searching for immorality, Bedford is somewhat of a hero. The first frozen man. Mm, first frozen man after Walt Disney. This guy, uh, we don't know his name. James Bedford, 1967, was frozen. How many fucking elites do you think have tanks of liquid nitrogen just ready to go? Scottsdale, Arizona. Bro, they've been getting better at this, too. I've been noticing books that they're making mo titles of movies of. And I sound crazy, but frozen... Frozen the movie, so you can't look up Walt Disney's frozen head. It's fucking true. Quote, instead of getting a second passport, I thought of getting frozen instead. <laughs> Neil says, Craig was clearly not a Felician. He doesn't believe in better times. He believes that all times are the same, only the names and faces change. This is the first time I heard about this philosophy. Felicians. Again, they ripped off Mark Twain. History doesn't repeat. It rhymes. <laughs> Mark Twain is the goat. These Felicians, Bro, even fucking Buddhist monks are trying to escape their bodies. <laughs> they, uh, like, encase themselves in ceramic. Like, freezing yourself isn't a new thing. We've been trying to save our bodies forever. You ever see those pictures where they put old Buddhist monk statues in MRIs? <laughs> All of them have remains inside of it. And we're the asshole generation that's cracking them out <laughs> when a future generation would be able to revive them. <laughs> Scums. He's going, if a nuke drops on your city, <laughs> how are you going to prepare your frozen body then? It's a pretty good point. 
It's true, bro. Everybody's just trying to escape even the people who say they're the most present. <laughs> Damn. Narcissus. That's going to go in my comedy act. What the fuck? Quote, of the 25 immigration lawyers and organizations I'd contracted after Katrina, 15 of them never returned phone calls and emails, and two of them said it would be months before they could offer me consolation. A Japanese lawyer, Yoshio Shimoda, told me I'd needed to live in Japan for five years and give up my U.S. nationality in order to be a citizen there. Wow. So a lot of these countries now <laughs> are making it so you can't have an escape route. You're only allowed to be part of one country. <sighs> this is kind of why I say that I don't believe in borders, and I know that ostracizes the audience. I don't give a fuck. But, yeah, you're magically born here, so you're not allowed to go over there, ever. That's how the world is going to be. Let me give Neil his fucking comeuppance here. He says, there is a theory called memetics, which suggests that ideas move through cultures more like viruses. Thanks to the cataclysms of 9-11 and Katrina, the escapist meme had clearly spread from the minds of fringe extremists to early adopters in mainstream society. Damn, son. <laughs> it ain't so fringe anymore to know that the grocery store doesn't have food. Bro, my entire rice aisle is gone. We're fucking post-irony at this point. If we're talking about memetics and comedy, people understand jokes. Except for the kids I said before. And that's why they get abused by shitty memes. We're using memes for the wrong reason. Memes can be used to spread freedom and ideas. We're using memes to escape. I've said it before, the best part of your day is shitting. <laughs> Escaping. Holy fuck. Like, if you freeze your mind, how do you know that you're not just not going to be trapped in your mind? <laughs> Here's some better, more topical. Russia banned memes. They banned at first the memes of gay Putin, and now they went full China. You're not allowed to spread ideas. 1984! <laughs> yeah, I can't talk about the Ukraine, but... I could spread memes about bombs. <laughs> uh, I think the Great Reset is coming in waves. Like, it's not going to come as one gigantic, here's your UBI, and now eat bugs forever. It's really going to be these news stories. America would be better with a dictator. And they're just going to feel us out until there's people stupid enough to go for it. And, like, my boy who sent me the fucking Rise of Germany... It's just preying on the right people who are ready to do your dirty work for you. And the masses are stupid enough now. Let's go along to chapter 5, Survive. This one is the second to last. He starts a pretty top-tier quote right here. Damn. All my life, I had thought that freedom was something that, as Americans, we were privileged to have, thanks to the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. But those documents didn't create freedom. They created a system. And systems create dependencies. Real freedom, I realized, meant knowing not just where to go, but how to take care of myself. The system ever broke down. Really good breakdown of his quote before. You can't have a government give you both protection and freedom. The Felicians were the only people who understand. In a wood philosophy. Quote, you can't understand how stupid people can be until you've moved to Arkansas. <laughs> Anyone who can read without moving his lips here is considered an intellectual. <laughs> mm, coastal elite humor. <laughs> Still kind of funny. He's, uh, like, this was a 400-page book here. He's starting to go on journeys with swamp rats. There's this guy named Spencer. His big quote I had, it's not the firepower, it's the man behind the rifle. Not so dumb now, <laughs> big hat, no cattle. Yeah, fucking coastal elites like Neil, they know the difference between a homophone and a homophobe. <laughs> but they don't know how to hunt or farm or fish or sustain. What the heck, but you're smart. <laughs> uh, he goes... What I learned researching the GAMA, the neuralistic programming, is that it has no advantage in the bayou. So you gotta love Neil. He leans into his elitism. And he's going, yeah, me being good at writing has no fucking pull here in the land of gators. 
McNeil. He's getting ready for his first firearm lesson. Quote, the first requirement in using a gun correctly is not shooting yourself with it. Clayton was telling me it's a martial art and you have to take it seriously. It's not like learning how to change a tire. Yo. <laughs> and really, it does seem like some hick shit just going to the range and firing off some rounds. You're learning how to train your alerted mind and how not to beat people up in saunas. You learn how to handle those higher circuits. Whereas fucking guys with life skills, mechanics. Is that really hard? <laughs> I'm a dick. Quote, Katie asked the man at the counter, don't you feel weird selling guns to people? Jesus, he bought his fucking liberal girlfriend to Arkansas. I don't think people should have guns. It's in the Constitution, you know, says the store clerk. They should be totally illegal. I think only violent people would want to shoot guns. It was difficult to tell whether the clerk was amused or annoyed. <laughs> Loving the Strauss. <laughs> hey, this is exactly why girls shouldn't be allowed to vote. <laughs> I don't know, Neil is going, I hadn't taken a test in years. Should I study or something? <laughs> By this point, it was clear that Katie and I were the stupidest people in the store. Even if you were blind, you'd probably pass, he said. <laughs> I'll try to calm down here. <laughs> Very funny situational humor here. He's in the gun store and <laughs> he's like, clerk's like, what are you, a fucking idiot? Everybody passes the test. <laughs> clerk keeps on busting her lady balls he's going you look like a cheerleader a very pretty girl aren't you scared of falling off the top of the pyramid damn son that's got layers and he goes you know she's a little rich girl her fucking pyramid castle could be gone at any moment she says i don't want to be on the bottom because my back could easily break and i don't want to be in the middle because someone could fall on me my place is at the top of the pyramid a little too on the nose. <laughs> His point is, there's really no safe space in the pyramid. Dr. Seuss level shit out here. Uh, yeah, he's like looking into the Green Beret now. Because the Green Beret slogan is, uh, from an oppressed man to a free one. Do oppresso libor. One of the military jokes I like. Seer training doesn't teach you how to survive. It teaches you how to die slowly. <laughs> Neil, he's done enough training at this point, I think. Did a whole chapter on locking up your guns. We'll end this one on his research into motorbikes. <laughs> motorbikes, chainsaws, bow and arrows. That's my future, baby. He's going, the true vehicle of the apocalypse is the motorbike. <laughs> I remember in the game he took motorcycle lessons from uh, Tom Cruise. See, the only way to survive is joining the Church of Scientology. Quote, oh, he just came out with Top Gun 2. The only way to survive is having an F-35. Quote, motorcycle school was just as humiliating as gun school. Not only was I inexperienced, but I was one of the few people in class who'd never even driven stick before. Another thing that I think they should probably teach you in school, how to drive an automobile... Nah, here's fucking social studies. <laughs> I think you get put on a watch list if you buy a dirt bike. Like, Klaus Schwab doesn't even want us to own a car. Motorbiking off-road? That's Silicon Valley's biggest nightmare. How are we going to track these people? Ended the chapter saying, If you buy certain tools, you're indistinguishable from a domestic terrorist. I didn't say it. Whether it's guns or fucking dirt bikes, at the end of the day... It's your intent, how you're going to use the thing. You're going to shoot up a school? What did we learn from this chapter? Uh, the only way to be free is to live with intent. In a tent, not in a pyramid. <laughs> That's what intent means, right? <laughs> chapter 6, Rescue. Final chapter here, more of an epilogue. Banger quote from Neil to start. Survivalism, I realized, is not about staying alive. It's about choosing how you die. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Very, very dark way to look at it. <laughs> you could look at it as a way to have more life on your way to death. Yeah, everybody's just preparing for their death out here. 
So you could do the predetermined path to death, primary school, secondary school, university, job promotion, retirement, if you're lucky, and then death. <laughs> the most interesting fucking people like Neil Strauss take detours on their way to death. Definitely be prepared. Take some detours. The tools we have are making that increasingly possible. I want to talk about the fucking explosion in van living. If he's talking about escape, that's perfect for this book. The tool of the van, I think, is liberating a generation. You can live with intent in a van. <laughs> like it used to be, listen, kid, if you don't get your act together, you're going to live in a van down by the river. And now it's, hey, young professional, you can work from anywhere, from a van. <laughs> The marketing switched. It's all about lifestyle marketing now. And if we're going to talk about survivalism, chasing how to die, the reversion to nomad living is like a revolution. We can let the fucking TV control how it goes, and you have to buy 5G hotspots and all this gray water tanks, or you could just live in the goddamn van. It's all about drinking from the bowl. I don't know if you've heard that fucking expression before. Neil is finally getting his ass out of the Sunset Strip apartment. He's heading to the hills to camp. Takes his girlfriend along, and she made him drive back halfway there. <laughs> he has a good uh, quote about the cold. Though I pulled the sleeping bag drawers as tight as possible, I couldn't get warm. The thin layer of down didn't provide enough insulation, and my body couldn't generate enough heat to compensate. When my knees touched each other, they felt like snowballs. <laughs> I'm not saying it's comfortable, <laughs> but your problems melt away. You don't think about all the other bullshit. Your problems become immediate when you're outside, and that's the only real thing. He pulled the piss-in-the-water bottle trick. Yeah, I do that all the time. I do it at home. My girlfriend hates it. <laughs> Quote, uh, The whole attempt to learn survival was starting to seem like a pipe dream. I was addicted to the three C's. Comfort, civilization, and convenience. Bro, you're not going to get this in, like, the real survivalist book. Neil knows how to write and survive. You need these hybrids out here. Even though he's a douche. What is relevant? Fucking Elon's tunnel idea. That kind of fits in pretty well with the Project Ice Worm. Let me just fucking feel this out for a minute. Okay, Elon Musk. So we're going to tunnel underneath cities to prevent more traffic. So, like a train? Like we have trains? Like we have buses? Mass transport already exists. We aren't organizing it enough. Bro, our forefathers built everything we need. We have to manage it better. We're letting everything just fester and go to the fucking wolves. Fucking a 69 chapter book here. Yeah, he gets his EMT certification. We should be so happy for you, Neil. Not interesting. What, we're going to fucking tunnel underneath cities, Elon? You're obviously doing work for the military-industrial complex. SpaceX is not about going to Mars. You're sending weapons to the Middle East in record time. The boring company? It's a front. Someone fucking clip that and at Elon Musk. Still like fucking 40 pages he's yammering here. Quote, There are a lot of doomsday scenarios, but I don't think we are there yet. Spencer replied, What we're seeing is the painful shock of the U.S. unwinding its heavy leverage. The traffic on Sunset Boulevard flew by. Wide black Hummers, boxy pink Mini Coupes, squat yellow Porsches. You never know from the surface that the country was sick. The hope is that the world has a motivation not to let that happen because we're their customer and they have a vested stake. Super ethical business model America has. We're going to consume all your stuff. He says if America goes down, China and Russia and everyone else is going to be pulled down as well. That's going to lead to a lot of turbulence. <laughs> yeah, bro, we're sick as a dog. But the world loves their mangy mutts. Except for China. <laughs> they used to portray America as the stray cat in all those uh, political cartoons. It's basically what we are. We fill a hole. Uh, the world needs weapons? Yeah, we got you guys. You need mindless entertainment? We got you for 50 years. Neil. <laughs> this guy is on point. Neil is wrong in the sense that the world wouldn't be half the party without us. So we can't collapse. We got to keep this thing fucking going. 
what is it, Sri Lanka is in full-out revolution. They're hiding that story in the American news. Because if we do it, everybody does it. America, baby. Neil, he's got his second passport, finally. He's a citizen of St. Christopher and Nevis. I looked it up. It's basically uh, St. Kitts. It's east of Puerto Rico. And why is he doing this? Is he actually going to live there? This entire book was Neil Strauss monetizing him creating a tax haven. (laughs) Yeah, definitely get a second fucking citizenship if it's just to keep your money there. There were a lot of expats in St. Kitts. What are they called? (laughs) Kittitinians. And the book ended around Obama. And so everybody has hope again. Guy started eight wars. Ending it epic as Neil does. I know now that I can take care of myself and my loved ones. But until the day comes when I have to do that, I'm going to take care of everybody else. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Neil Strauss's emergency. Gotta love it. That was a fucking banger of a book. I think he has... uh, Another relationship, one that we might go for in the future, but he hit the three-peat. You've done it, Neil. Another one. As for next week, continuing our knowledge here on Nick's Nonfiction. What do we got? What do we got? What do we got? Ooh. Ooh. You're not ready, people. Woo! Friedrich Nietzsche is back with the Spake Vara Sutra. This, probably my best book of the year. My favorite book. I don't know how I'm going to portray it yet. Hopefully it comes off good. I'm doing better with the fiction now. The plague was decent. I understand characters and I'm not as stupid as I was a year ago. And that makes the shows better. Bring your fucking ropes. Your headlamps are about to splunk into the abyss. I usually try to counter his points with some optimism. But uh, this guy's got a 600 IQ. So I'm going to do my best. It's not really as dark as the usual Nietzsche's goes. It has very memorable characters. I think you guys are going to like it. Instant classic here on Nick's Nonfiction. Boys and girls, ladies, I fucking love you guys. The Knickers, you see I'm putting out content on the weekends. I want to grow this thing. We're going 3K by 2023. Definitely an achievable goal. If I stop being decelerated. Bro, I have evidence. Anyway, I will see you guys in seven short days for another edition. Check out the memes over at Harry Schwant on Instagram, patreon.com, slash the niche. Let me get a random soundboard effect to take this home. I fear no man, but that thing, it scares me. I fear no man, but the United States government, it scares me. <laughs> Less than a week, I'll be back in your timeline. Love you guys. See you soon. Peace.